All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome to the DFO Rundown Podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com. Delivered by DoorDash. Welcome to episode 141 of the DFO Rundown. I'm Jason Greger alongside Frank Saravalli. And the DFO Rundown is brought to you by 3ICE, the new 100% three-on-three hockey league launching this summer. It's overtime all the time. Led by six Hall of Famers, Guy Carboneau, Grant Fear, Larry Murphy, John LeClaire, Joe Mullen, and Brian Trotche. Three Ice will be hitting eight cities over nine weeks, including two stops in Canada, London, Ontario on July 16th, and Quebec City on July 30th. Get your tickets at 3ice.com. 3ice, the best part of hockey. As uh, we welcome uh, Frank in from uh, Tampa Bay, where the Stanley Cup was awarded last night to the uh, Colorado Avalanche, a well-deserving victory for the Avs. And Frank, I've been following the Stanley Cup for quite some time. Like this year, there just seemed to be more guys with with key and you know tough injuries on both teams that were playing through it, like more than usual. I mean, it's typically carnage, so. It's hard to say because you can never really properly quantify it, right? Like teams are never forthcoming with their injuries. But yeah, it seemed like every day that we were going to the rink throughout the playoffs, you were sort of asking the question, can so-and-so go today? Can Braden Point go today? Can Burakovsky go today? Can Valerie Nichushkin play? Like I, I was actually in the arena. I was probably about 2.15 Eastern time after the bolts won the or after the abs won the cup and Nathan McKinnon needed some extra treatment and Val Nachushkin sort of hobbled his way halfway down the hallway. And then at some point his ankle was so busted. His foot was so busted. He, he actually asked someone who was like carting out like sodas or water and said, can you, can you just give me a ride to the end of the hallway so I can get on the bus? Like, all smiles, all happy to do it, but these guys certainly are are warriors. Yeah, and you, you know, you Cadre, you know, Cogliano playing with the broken oh, finger. There's just uh, I shook. I made the mistake of shaking Cogliano's hand to congratulate him after the game, and it was like it was like shaking sirloin. <laughs> 
Yeah, like it's it's amazing. Uh, it just seemed like it was more than usual this year. And, um, you know, full marks to, to Colorado. It's two to one heading into the third period. Uh, you know, Tampa Bay is going to throw everything at you. And Colorado, uh, who's who is the highest scoring team all playoffs, Frank, uh, in order to win, you got to show that you can play defense. And their third period was pretty much a Picasso of a defense. Yeah, it was clinical the way that they picked through Tampa. I think the entire game. I mean, when you think about it, uh, there was some tra- chances traded in the first period, but I think game six in a lot of ways mirrored their entire playoff. Like there really was never a moment that the abs were not in control, or at least it felt like it. And the right team won a, we have a worthy new champion in the Colorado avalanche. And frankly, Jason, it's one of the more dominant runs that, you know, we're probably going to see in the salary cap era, 16 and four, the lightning were able to double the number of losses that the abs had in the playoffs, but you know, they never trailed in a series and they were, uh, I don't know. They, when you add it all up, going back to following their four five and one start to the year, they had a seven forty winning percentage from four five and one on, they won 68 games and you know, just do the math three out of every four games you're playing, you're winning. That's not a points percentage, 740 winning percentage. It is, it's an incredible run start to finish. And it's so rare, Jason, that a team that enters the year in this sport, that's so random and crazy is able to run the table like that. They got stronger as the year went on their deadline additions really added to them. And for a team that battled injuries, you know, they were able also to paper over some really shaky goaltending from Darcy Kemper in the, in the playoffs. Like Kemper entered game six with an eight ninety nine save percentage. He finished with nine Oh two, which is the worst save percentage of a cup winning goalie in a playoff run in 45 years. Like what they were able to do scoring four and a half goals a game. It's as dominant a run as you're going to see. No, hundred percent. Full marks to them. Uh, you, you you mentioned the trade deadline acquisitions. You know, P, like Josh Manson scored some key goals in the playoffs. So did Andrew Cogliano. Like it, it wasn't like they just brought in depth. They they brought in depth guys, but guys who who really helped out and contributed. Um, you know, they they lost Sammy Gerard, who's a you know a guy that's a solid defender for them, and they didn't really miss a beat uh, without him. Uh, Joe Sackick is the GM of building this team and 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 how he built it. And uh, I, I remember you know you go back to the Matt Duchesne trade. And people are like, oh, he's too patient. He's too patient. Well, you know, they ended up getting Bowen Byram uh, and Sammy Gerrard in that one trade. Like, uh, you know, and obviously no one knew that Ottawa was going to tank as bad as they did, but it ended up getting them uh, Bowen Byron. And, and even, you know, Frank, you go back to luck sometimes and Colorado's even talked about it. If they didn't lose the Kale McCarr draft lottery, they might not have taken Kale McCarr first overall. Right. They, they probably dropped, wouldn't have. Right. They dropped down to number four. And so sometimes you need, you know, some, some, sometimes, the, you know, the best thing happens to you isn't something that you, that you want to have happen to you. And, you know, you look at Colorado and obviously Kale McCarr wins the Consmite trophy. And, you know, th- this team is, is still very young in their core. Um, you know, Nathan McKinnon's contract, he needs a new one um, after uh, next season. But, you know, I look at the abs right now, um, you know, they will be a strong contender again. Like some teams, when you win, you're like, yeah, I'm not sure they can do it again. It would be easy to see the Habs in the final again next year. Yeah, the abs. I'm sorry, um, the abs. Yeah, and and speaking of the Habs, Arturi Lekkinen, another deadline yes. addition, scores the game-winning goal. What an amazing moment. His dad, as I wrote about on Daily Faceoff, Ismo Lekkinen, has been covering the cup final as a broadcaster for the last number of years. And to see his son, you know, in the building, you know, talking about it on air had to be such an amazing moment. Um, you know, it was, it was really interesting. A couple things that I picked up after the game, one uh, had a chance to chat with abs owner, Stan Kroenke. And he said the first thing, what a year for him, by the way, <laughs> wins the super bowl as owner of the Los Angeles Rams wins a Stanley cup, and, you know, just, I don't know, six months apart. And he was saying as soon as he stepped on the ice, players were skating up to him saying, Hey, this is amazing. Let's do this again. So they're already thinking about it. 
and also uh, in a more private moment, um, I rode the elevator down from the press box to ice level with both the abs management group and the lightning management group. And what a scene that was, you know, if, if you know anything about Joe Sackick, you know, he's a really humble guy. He's not going to be hooting and hollering or back slapping or anything like that. Certainly uh, calm and, and collected under the circumstances, obviously elated and Julian Brisebois, um, you know, as, as manager of the back-to-back champs looked at Joe Sackick and said, congratulations, you're the standard now. And really without missing a blink, uh, Sackett looked at him and said, you showed us the way. And I just thought that was a really neat little moment. It was, you know, before the cup had been handed out, the sticks are sort of, you know, and gloves are all over the ice. And it was like a passing of the torch from one team that had won 11 straight series and, you know, really is, is one of the most, dominant teams and, and in fact, confident and mentally strong teams I've ever seen pass the torch to this other team that is loaded and, and could hold the cup for a while, given how they're constructed. So really neat little moment and um, full marks to the abs and, and got to, you know, give some props to, to the lightning too. Like, I don't know that that team had it, from round one on, like they just, they seemed like they were always playing catch up, but they were, they were able to break the will of their opponents. And they just met one team in Colorado that, that wouldn't succumb to that. And, you know, for as banged up as Tampa was, uh, you know, as much hockey as they've played, I'm sure you can create a list of excuses if you wanted to, they won't. Um, but that is a really special run by Tampa. Oh, are you kidding me? And you just look, Frank, if Braden Point's healthy in the lineup, like Braden Point is a difference maker for the Tampa Bay Lightning, led their team in goals by a large margin the last two years when they won the Stanley Cup. And, um, you know, Nick Paul's been a great acquisition, but it's just, you know, Nick Paul's not Braden Point offensively. And I, you know, I, you, you know, maybe would have gone seven. Colorado easily could have won still, but that that Braden Point injury is a massive one to overcome for any team. A- any team that you you try to win, because when you're in the final, usually it's two really, really good teams, and sometimes the difference is percentage points, a s- small margin, and if you lose one of your best players your most productive goal scorer the last two playoff round, the last two playoff years, you know, that's a tough one to absorb. And I, I look at Tampa Bay, and you know, they'll be banged up and, and fatigued, but I don't see them going away. Right? Like their core guys are all there uh, as well. So it's just a matter of, you know, can they retool uh, in the sense of, you know, finding good uh, um, value contracts in their bottom six? Cause their top, their top spots, like as long as, you know, outside of Andre Platt, that's really the only question mark. Um, you know, I, I think I don't see Tampa going away anytime soon. I, I think both these teams find a way to bring back a lot of their core pieces that are up. Um, you know, when I look at, at Tampa, I, I just, with the way Palat played, I don't know how you could let him go. Like, I think if you need to move someone else, you, you do it. I think they'll try and find a way, um, you know, with the abs, a lot of people are saying, well, you know, certainly there's going to be some pieces that they're simply just not going to be able to afford. But like, if they want to bring back Nazem Kadri, they can do it. They can find a way, you know, I think some guys like Val Matushkin have probably price their way out of the lineup. Um, you know, one, it's like one of those things, one of the two, which one are you keeping? They could redo things in net with Darcy Kemper, who, as I mentioned, didn't exactly inspire confidence, um, but got the job done with a pretty significant third period save against Nikita Kucherov on that one timer. Um, you know, it, it, both these teams are well positioned to be sort of like battering Rams continuing to go to each other over the next number of years. But I mean, any team that has Andre Vasilevsky in net is probably always going to be competitive. Yeah. And Victor Hedman on the blue line. <laughs> yeah. They got lots of good players there for sure. And um, you know, you, 
I look at, at at the thing I liked about this, Frank, for from a little bias is, you know, offense reigns supreme. And I know Colorado locked it down when they had to, but uh, you you outlined uh, their goal scoring offense throughout the playoffs. And there was lots of games, even with shoddy goaltending, that they were able to outscore the opposition. And I, I know the NHL at times is a copycat league. I hope we see more teams copycat and to play up-tempo, aggressive, fast-paced uh, with a little bit more in, uh, uh, focus on offense, I just think it's better for the game. And so uh, I'd love to see that. Uh, you know, we've had decades of years where it was defense dominating and, you know, sit back, left wing lock, all those things. Uh, I hope that this is a, you know, uh, an entrance into a, to more up-tempo hockey. Uh, I think that's great. You'll, to see. you'll enjoy this. Uh, I, I was walking off the ice and um, I ran into Billy Neiman who won a, a cup with the abs a number of years ago and is also part of that finished broadcast team with, with this Mo Lekkinen. And he said, this was a win for the modern NHL. And I thought that that was really interesting. You know, you mentioned the goal scoring and sort of where this is heading. You know, we were, we marveled at the idea of the Florida Panthers being able to score North of four goals per game in the regular season. Well, the abs go and replicate that and do it in the playoffs as well, which, you know, a lot of people have said, Hey, you can't, uh, you can't outscore your issues defensively. And and they didn't have many issues defensively, not a lot of breakdowns. They preyed on easy exits from the zone. Um, They were able to get the puck moving in the other direction quickly, but it it certainly wasn't their goaltending that saved their day. No. So the, uh, the off season, Frank uh, officially begins now and uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a wild ride. Uh, You and I will be in Montreal uh, a week tomorrow for uh, starting to get ready for the, uh, the NHL draft. And then of course there's free agency and, uh, you know, qualifying offers. Are we going to see some RFAs Uh, starting Friday is the uh, first opening of of the bio window. It's the first bio window that opens up on July 1st. So uh, lots to to get to. And and also uh, Frank, the, uh, Hockey Hall of Fame will have uh, some their announcement for the uh, the class of 2022 uh, later today. Any uh, any predictions on uh, do you see anyone as a lock for you that's going to be for sure announced? I think the Sedin twins, you know, I have, you know, when when you when you take a look at their numbers, they're probably not quite traditional Hall of Fame. You know, you look for the the sustained dominance and they had a very short, relatively short period of time in which they dominated. You know, if you if you go back and look at their career, their first four to five years were not very productive at all. And then the last sort of three to four, they also tapered off pretty quickly. But for a run of five years or six years, they were among the most dominant in the game. They've got the individual accolades and hardware to go with it. They've got the scoring title and the heart trophy and, and all those, you know, other things that go with it. And they've also, they did something that no, certainly no set of players twins have ever done, which is that, that symbiotic relationship that, uh, that ability and chemistry to know where each other were on the ice. It was second to none. Like I've never seen anything like it. I don't know that we ever will again. And that alone, that unique distinction to go with the individual hardware and the run of dominance, I think is enough to get them in, in their first year of eligibility. Yeah, I tend to agree with you that uh, that they'll both go in. You know, they, they kind of invented the you know the the Sedin tip that that high tip in the slot that the, the, a lot of people have done. They were they were very unique in in, in how they just read off one another uh, incredibly well all the time. Um, and, and I know that it, it's not supposed to be a factor, but I, but I do believe you know what they did in the community of Vancouver. Uh, it was really not many, uh, not many players, you know, give back that much to the children's hospital as, as much as they've done in a lot of times they try to keep it as quiet as they could, which, which was, you know, they were doing it for the right reasons. Um, so I, I would agree with you, Frank. I think those two are a lot. The other person who I think is a lock actually is Carolyn Olette. I think Carolyn Olette yep. will, uh, will, will get in uh, for sure. Then after that, it's, um, you know, there's, there's a lot, you know, there's, I know there's a, a huge push in Ottawa right now for, uh, for Daniel Alfredson. You know, there's a lot of people who think red Berenson in the uh, builder category uh, should be, uh, should be getting in, um, you know, Roberto Luongo has the fourth most wins all time. 
uh, for goaltenders with just under 500. What is it? 489, 488. I can't remember mm-hmm. exactly which number, but it's one of those two. Um, you know, th- th- then there's, you know, the one guy, Frank, if you were, you were talking about the, um, the an interesting player is Theron Fleury. Because I was the, actually just going to say him in the, in the history of the NHL, there's 15 players who have played a thousand games who averaged a point a game in the regular season and also um, a point a game in the playoffs when they played at least 75 games. And he's one of 15. The other 14 are all in the Hall of Fame. And uh, this was curious. Steve Dryden from uh, TSN, their stats guy, told me this one a while back. And um, like that, that's quite an accomplishment. Uh, he, he was a small player at a time like nowadays, it's a lot easier to be a small man in the National Hockey League. It wasn't when Flurry came in. It was clutching and grabbing and holding and mugging and fighting and everything else. And, you know, he scratched and claws way there. You know, of course, he won a Stanley Cup. He was a big contributor on that team. Played on Olympic teams at one, if, if, if you consider that, that matters or not. But he's a, he was a legit point-of-game player, right? Like, the Sedins weren't. Um, so, I, I wonder, you know, I, I think it's funny when you look at, you know, Theron Fleury off the ice. He had some battles with the National Hockey League and stuff. And, you know, he, he opened in his book. He, you know, had some gambling addictions and everything else like that. So, but when you look at his on-ice play, he was a more productive player than the Sedins were. Uh, throughout his career yet you know we both kind of agree he's a lock so i wonder if theron flurry gets in yeah I, I actually wrote it a year or two ago that he should be in and he i think he, he embarrassed the nhl at times with his off-ice issues and and the drug and alcohol abuse you know sort of openly flaunting um the drug abuse policy and you know, he claimed that he was leading the league in scoring at one point while he was, you know, basically sleeping on the streets of New York and, and doing cocaine and, and bypassing drug tests with Gatorade. It's all in his book. It's a, a fantastic book. Um, it's, it's more fantastic because it's true. And also mm-hmm. because he's gotten the help that he needs. And, you know, I'm sure some people listening will say, oh, I don't like his politics or I don't like the things that he does or says on social media. Who cares? That has nothing to do with this. Um, unbelievable hockey player that when you consider what he went through and we should think about it differently now because of the times 100%. that we're living in the mental warfare and, and frankly, physical abuse that he took. Um, it helps explain his actions off the ice and we understand it now. And I think when you add all that into what he was able to accomplish on the ice, it makes it that much more impressive. Um, he's, you know, he had four seasons of 90 plus points two 100 point plus seasons, uh, finished on one second team all-star, which is, uh, another interesting or classic barometer and just was always in the mix. You know, not very many players forwards average more than 20 minutes a game on the ice. Theo Fleury is one of them. And uh, I think I think he deserves to be in a while ago. Yeah, I, I think you bring up a really good point, Frank, is people have to have empathy to understand the pain, frustration, you know, at times he talked about humiliation of what happened to him at the hands of uh, Graham James and for longest time. And, and even worse when, you know, when you read his book that people kind of knew something was amiss and they did nothing. And, you know, he, he was a, he was basically a young kid uh, when all that was going on. And so to, to have, you know, that anger and, and frustration inside you for the longest time, of course, um, you know, you're, you're going to make some decisions that, that don't look uh, great. Well, because he, he had to endure stuff that most of us thankfully have never had to. And, uh, and I do, I do believe that is something that uh, people should at least understand that, Hey, you know what? That plays a part in, uh, in, in, in some of the decisions he made. And you know what? There's lots of people that, you know, ha- get addicted to something, but you know, he, he battled it and he, and he was always pretty honest about it. And, and, and he, the truth, the truth hurts sometimes, Frank, because I think at the time the NHL policy was not good for what they were doing. It was kind of a joke, right? It's like, here you go, um, you know, a month in and, and you talk to any specialist that will tell you, well, that's not long enough, right? You got to do much more. It can't be like, okay, go that. And now you're going to go right back in 
the exact same situation that you were in before. Very few people was, are going to have the strength to, to, to suddenly kick it and, and beat it. Well, he, he was coping with it the only way he could dealing with the sexual, like no one talked about it, sexual abuse and, and certainly not at the hands of one of your hockey coaches. It would make you seem less tough. Um, you know, he buried himself in drugs and alcohol. Uh, we it's it's a classic case. Now we understand it now, but instead of someone looking at it then in the mid nineties and saying or early nineties, you know, this guy, you know, let's get this guy help. Let's figure out the underlying problem or issue. It was like, he was sort of cast aside as this guy's a maniac and there is no helping him. And, you know, we look back on it now and it looks totally different, but in the moment, and I, and I think it probably, even in the last 10 years or so more, maybe more than that, probably hurt his case or chances to get in the hall because they do consider your behavioral record and, and things like that, that are attached to, to your name and your reputation. Yeah. Yeah. He need, he'll need, and, and for those people who don't know, you, you, somebody presents you as an option. And and, and so you, you need somebody with a strong, strong case and understanding to look at it. So uh, it's always fascinating day to see, uh, you know, who gets their, uh, their name called, uh, you know, what uh, the Sedins, Luongo, you know, uh, Olette, uh, Berenson, maybe, uh, you know, you mentioned Flurry, maybe Rod Brindamore. Now that Guy Carboneau has opened the door to, to, to two way players a little bit. Uh, Keith Kachuk, uh, you know, Jeremy Roenick, those guys were big time scorers for a long time as well. So um, there's uh, there's quite a few names. It'll be uh, interesting to see who gets announced uh, officially later today. Yeah. Our Hall of Fame day is always one of the coolest. Those calls that go out, you know, just after lunchtime from the hall. Uh, to catch a, a potentially unsuspecting player or builder who is just going about their merry way on a Monday is pretty amazing. Well, you and I talked, Frank, about the Stanley Cup final and, and how many Hall of Famers were in it or potential future Hall of Famers are going to be in it. So, uh, you know, a lot of the guys that just uh, wrapped up this battle will be uh, will be going to the Hall uh, sometime down the road. Uh, th- this offseason, though, Frank, now officially begins and uh, you look at it, teams will, you know, will probably have some announcements. Um, uh, Barry Trotz announces he's not going to Winnipeg. So there's still a few uh, coaching uh, openings out there. Uh, do you, who do you see now? Where, where do you, where do you turn your focus if you're the Winnipeg Jets? Well, they, they've turned their focus for a while now. I think they've had a sense that, Hey, look, the longer this dragged on, the less of a chance that they'd have to, to get her, you know, basically keep Barry Trotz after they went through the process. And, um, you know, it's hard to say. I think there's a list of candidates. You know, I'm wondering if there's anyone that we don't know about. Scott Arneal is one. Pascal Vincent is another, of course, who coached in the Jets organization. Uh, Rick Tockett is someone else that interviewed. Jim Montgomery interviewed. How many of those guys advance to the next round? And is the, like I said, is there anyone that we don't know about that has received consideration from the Jets? They're generally a pretty secretive team. Like they don't you know, they don't flaunt their business. They don't talk a lot. And, you know, I'm curious to see how quickly they get it done. Most teams, you know, would like to have an answer by now. This has gone on long enough. Barry Trotz has been fired, you know, well over a month now that they've sort of been held hostage by the guy that they really wanted to get. Yeah. Well, and another big announcement that uh, I'm hearing could come, uh, you know, later this week, the, uh, the San Jose sharks need a general manager, Frank. And uh, you know, there's, uh, I know that Mike Greer's interviewed there, which would be unique. Like I'd have to look with would would, if he gets the job, would that be the first sibling NFL and NHL GMs in the, in history? It has to to be. Yeah, it has to be. That, that would be a, a unique one because that's like the sharks uh, also like their owner, is uh is never uh, he he will spend anything possible he's not uh, he's not a cheap owner whatsoever i've like that's an interesting job you've still got some veteran players but you got some really tough contracts in there and so like you, you need a gm i think who's who's going to be willing to, to try to make some moves because i'm just not sure they can continue down the same path having that much money on the blue line yeah but that's not what the owner wants and that's actually what scared a bunch of people off from the position i think it, it makes it one of the least appealing GM jobs out there is, you know, you're dealing with a tough cap situation. You've got, Oh, that's cool. I'm, I'm 
looking out over the harbor here in Tampa Bay and a dolphin just popped up here in the Hillsborough river, which is pretty neat. Um, you know, lost my train of thought, but I was saying it makes it one of the least appealing jobs out there. I think when you consider that Hasso Plattner has let it be known to every person who's interviewed. And I've talked to some people who have interviewed yeah, and they've just said, basically he's delusional. He wants this team to be competitive. There's no retool, no rebuild, you know, right from the hop. It's how quickly can we get back to the playoffs right now? You know, what moves can you make this summer to get us there? And I understand because of some of the commitments and contracts that they have, but to me, it feels like, you know, you need to begin tearing things off, you know, off your cap, rip the bandaid off and, and just dig in and go to work. But that's apparently not what the vision of the owner is. Yeah, no, it's uh, well, that's always a challenge, right? If, if, if you can't look at it and say, Hey, because when he, as the owner, uh, they've always been a successful organization, excluding the last few seasons. Right. So uh, I understand the one side of it, but when, when you have players who, who you might love as people, but they're not the players they used to be, that's where you, you know, you have to remove emotion from it. And uh, that can be very difficult for some people. I don't know if it's emotion. I think part of it is just that they've invested a lot in it and he'd like to get the return on it. Um, to me, the biggest issue is um, you mentioned excluding these last few seasons. Like you have three straight years now of a team that's been in the lottery zone and they haven't been able to reap the benefit of that in part because they didn't have the picks. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> the big thing is like they've had three years with this core that hasn't even come close to winning. How do you possibly run it back for a fourth straight year with most of the same team and say, we're magically going to do something differently? I I just, I don't see it. Yeah, no, they they have to transition. Um, They've got to transition to have uh, some other guys in there and we'll, we'll see uh, how they do. But um, you know, I look at it, Frank, the, uh, the free agency, we'll get to Tyler Ramchuk in a second, but um, I'm more intrigued by the trades than free agency this year. I, I think always. Yeah. The, the trades to me are going to be, you know, which teams are willing to just eat some contracts. What's the, what's the price going to be to do that? And then which GMs are going to be, how many hockey trades are we going to see? You know, like legit hockey trades of teams thinking, Hey, we need to ship out this guy. We're going to bring in this guy. Cause the, you know, the, renting a guy or whatever. Hey, you know what? Arizona here, will give you a second round pick to take this contract. It's kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. But I'm curious about the hockey trades, Frank, and I've read your list and I've talked to lots of people. Like there's, there's lots of intriguing names out there. And I don't want to sell the free agent class short because Johnny Gaudreau and Philip Forsberg are really interesting, I think, and where they end up. And I think the longer this goes on with Johnny Gaudreau, you know, I, I'd have to imagine if you're the flames and you're Brad tree living, you're sitting there with a pretty sick feeling at the moment, thinking that you've done everything that you can. And yet you've gotten, you know, basically next to no response to this point. I think they've remained in dialogue and they've remained in communication. And I think Johnny Gaudreau's camp has said all of the right things, but at, you know, we're approaching July 1st on Friday July 13th is when free agency opens. Like you've made your pitch. It's been, you know, five weeks since you've been eliminated. If you don't know by now that you want to come back and if you don't know by now that you want to get married, like, I, I don't know what, what's going to possibly change that in the next two weeks. Is, is he going to be like Stamkos? Remember Stamkos for agency, Frank? And, and everybody was like, I don't oh, Toronto so. was coordinating it. And then he right at the last minute, he's like, no, I'm staying in Tampa. I think if he gets the market, he's gone. Oh, I think yeah. if it goes on another week, it's he's gone. Yeah. Cause Stamco signed right before, didn't he? Wasn't it? Just like nope. he, he, he made it to, well, he, but he, he had gone through the interview period. Right. That's the yeah. thing is he was able to visit with teams. This, you know, the interview period's gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but who's kidding who? Like, I think that's, I, I don't want to say, you know, maybe one of the unwritten stories, but I, I, it sure feels like even with the interview period gone, there's plenty of uh, 
emissaries or uh, messages being sent, I guess is yeah. the proper way to phrase it. Yes. Uh, I've always, uh, I never understood why they got rid of the interview period. I thought the interview period was one of the best things that made it look legal and it allowed teams to not have to, I think the players were the ones who wanted to get rid of the interview period. They did. Cause you know why? Because, Cause it cost them a lot of money. Yeah. Because teams had more time to, to make a rational decision. The problem is there are some players that are essentially ruining it because they're still engaging in those conversations ahead of time. And it, there's no, like if everyone's stuck to the plan and stuck together and no one actually talked terms before you hit free agency on July 13th at noon, it would go back to being a real frenzy where GMs are picking up the phone at 1201 and, and just, you know, increasing the bids minute by minute. The bidding war hurts players and helps teams a lot. You mean the bidding war helps, helps players, right? Well, you, you, yes, but right now, as it's currently constituted, it helps teams because players essentially are agreeing to contracts days oh, yeah. before the 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 actual you yeah, know yeah, free yeah. agency opens, and it that benefits teams. Oh well, yeah, that's why. Um, so, like, I Philip Forsberg's interesting one to me. Like, I'm, I'm not like I don't know what he's asking for, Frank. I've looked at all his numbers, but if you're the Nashville Predators, man, I don't see how you, you wouldn't sign him. You don't like he he's your best forward. It's to me, it's not close. Like I, and I don't know, like, is he a $9 million player? Yeah, probably. Like you, you have Roman Yossi. There, they didn't ask for nine. I can tell you that. So they're asking for, well, I was told well South of what Roman Yossi makes. So then he's at 9.058. Yes. I, I think they're somewhere in the low eights. Yeah. Well, I don't understand why that would even be a, a hesitation in Nashville. That seems odd. So something's that's the one that doesn't make sense to me. Like I know Calgary's offered Johnny Gaudreau, you know, fair market value. And I, I understand the Gaudreau thing. I've said it all along. Like I, I get why some American born players like to play in the States. I understand it. But the Forsberg one, Frank, to me, just doesn't really make much sense. Like if, if that's what you're signing for, when you look at the going rate, like you're not going to bring in anyone on a better contract. That's going to bring you what Philip Forsberg is. And if you're Philip Forsberg, you're probably depends on what the numbers are that Nashville's offering, but teams are able to do that calculation pretty quickly and easily to say with our ability to offer you eight years, another team is going to have to offer you this much more for seven, just to get to the same number of, mm-hmm. of dollars. That's the advantage that the flames have baked in too. And, and this really is not about money for Johnny Gaudreau. It, it yes. isn't. And that's that uh, I, my belief is they flat out told him that and just said, look, you tell us that you want to be here and we'll figure out the money. Like the money is, is of no concern here because of their ability to offer that eighth year, like do the math. If you offer eight years times 10 million, that's $80 million. Another team that can only offer seven would have to give you 11.4 to equal that 11.4 times seven. It's, it's a huge advantage and it's a huge card that they have to play. But to this point, he's, he said he wants to come to Calgary, but until he actually engages in negotiation and until they actually get it done, well, that's a, it's a different story. He he's in that process, the discernment process of, am I coming back here? Am I you know going to play and, and have my number hanging in the rafters or am I going to go and, and get a fresh start somewhere else? I it's, it's purely lifestyle based, I think. And, and, and what he wants to do next in his career. State of Pennsylvania, Frank, that could be my, uh, that would the be Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, actually. Yeah. Oh, is it the Commonwealth? Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Very One regal. of three Commonwealths in the United States. A huh. fun fact for your Monday. There you go. Can, can you name the other two Commonwealths? Actually, it's one of four. There are three others. Can you name the other three? The Virginia one? Yes. Oof. I don't know the other ones. Commonwealth of Kentucky and the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Okay. There we go. All right. Nice. We'll bring in uh, Tyler Remchuk. Uh, he's really big up. He's a Royal. He's a Royal lover. I'm sure he would uh, know all the Commonwealths. 
this is uh, it sort of, I guess, ties into the Liam ding dong button. Never talk smack about the queen to Liam. He get, he will get defensive. Um, if you're thinking that's just me being stereotypical because he's British, I'm not. He actually does get defensive. Don't mess with Liam's love of the British of the royal family. Anyways, God, that is God totally, save the queen. Yes, God save the queen. That's totally unrelated to what I'm here to do, though. Uh, buyer, or sorry, fill in the blank today is delivered by our friends over at DoorDash. You know what? It's a Monday, but we talked about them. So ding dong, you get the Liam ding dong on a Monday. Uh, I'm going to start with the Colorado Avalanche. You guys talked about you know what they have coming this off season and. Kemper, Lekkinen, Natushkin, and Kadri. Four big names. One of them's an RFA, I suppose, with Lekkinen. But the question is, of those four, blank will be back next season. Frank? I'm going to say two. Kadri and Kemper. Oh, sorry, Kadri and Lekkinen. Ooh, Kadri and Lekkinen. Jay, what do you I got? do not think Darcy Kemper is returning. Um, I think Josh Manson's coming back. I, I think that's, oh, I, uh, so I'm gonna put I don't. Okay. Um, and, uh, I do believe Nazem Kadri is going to come back for sure. I, uh, you know, he had the career year, Frank, we've talked about this beforehand, but it was, uh, it was a massive career year that, you know, probably an outlier. And now maybe, Hey, maybe he just chases the money, but I think something tells me he wants to chase a cup. So he'll be back. But also similar to Goudreau. I mean, if Colorado off is willing to offer him an eighth year, maybe that bridges the gap of some of the money he could potentially lose out on if he truly went to the highest bidder. Right. Uh, number. Yeah. Hey, uh, by the way, you mentioned Manson, just a little, uh, something to keep in the back of your mind. I think Josh Manson is one of the rare trade deadline moves that you could see return to his former team. Okay. His wife is from Southern California. He loved it in Anaheim, did not want to get traded. The players loved him. Yeah. I think he was willing to take a sort of hometown discount stay. And I'd be curious to see, you know, does someone knock his socks off on the market? I think that's always possible with the postseason that he had, but I think his, his desire and especially after winning a cup now is to go back to the ducks. Now, speaking of Kadri, Man, they, he's 31. Not, an eight year shouldn't even be an option for them. That, that would yeah. be a, we talked about the San Jose Sharks earlier, Frank, you lock up guys for long-term deals at, uh, at a certain age. Oof, that would be, uh, you know, that would the be. The problem bad. for the abs is that they're going to need to buy as many years as they can to try and keep the cap hit as low as they can, because they're going to have cap trouble starting, you know, basically next season now with, with, you know, they're going to have to pay McKinnon. What is McKinnon? Like, you got to start with McKinnon and then figure out everyone else from there because it, it, the puzzle has to all fit together. And there's, you know, some people out there thinking Nathan McKinnon, $15 million, like AAV. Like, I, I don't know where it's going to end up, but I think they're going to set a new NHL record. Wow. I mean, my theory on it is that, and this is obviously I'm not an insider, but there's going to be one more year where McKinnon's cheap and then he'll go up six, $7 million. What if you just to keep that cap space set aside, gave Mark Andre Fleury a one year deal at whatever, five, six million dollars, right? Like you could still maybe make it work with a really good goalie for a year. And then that bridges the gap to McKinnon. Then that goalie's UFA. You're good. I don't even think you need to pay Mark Andre Fleury that much. I'm not, no. you know, undercutting him, but I don't, I don't, for him, I don't think it's about the dollars at this yeah. point. That's fair too. Uh, up next, the Lightning. They've made it to three straight Stanley Cup finals. The Lightning have a blank percent chance of getting back next season. Jason? Gosh. Man, it's hard to it's hard to count them out, but you know, we alluded to Vasilevsky and Hedman. Injuries and fatigue might be the one thing that uh um that that holds them back. You know, I think injuries played a part this year with it, just the wear and tear. So I'll still give them though. Like I'll still give them a 25% chance to get back the Stanley cup final. Like they're just, they're so good. And they're, and they're blessed because they have greatness at all three positions. That's what gives them the advantage. Yeah. I was going to, the first number that popped in my head was 20. You know, I, I agree. I think the fatigue is going to be huge. I think once you sort of, it's almost like, once you relinquish your post as they did, it's, it's difficult to get back there. And I, I've never questioned their hunger and their heart and all those things, but I don't know. Sometimes you kind of, you know, you don't have the same off season. I don't know. I don't know how they're going to feel. Be really curious to see how they start the year. 
Speaking of the offseason, you guys touched on this a little bit here over the last couple of minutes before throwing to me, but the most intriguing offseason storyline or situation is blank. What are you most excited to see play out or most interested in seeing play out over the next few months, Frank? Mm. And there's so many. Yeah, you I know. know the sort of dismantling of the Winnipeg Jets core. What do the Flames do if Johnny Gaudreau doesn't come back? Um, what pieces did the New York Rangers add to try and put themselves over the top next year? What does the goalie market look like? I think there's I've counted eight or nine teams that are looking. Um, how do the Flyers remake themselves? How do they get competitive again? What do the Pittsburgh Penguins do with Chris Letang and Evgeny Malkin? Uh, what pieces do the Chicago Blackhawks pry off? I said one. Who will be the next GM in San Jose? I'm running through them all in my head. You asked me. Um, Massive offseason for Edmonton and Toronto again. I, I honestly, I can't give you an answer. I, those are all the ones I'm thinking of at the moment. There's probably more. Yeah, it's hard to pick just one be, because uh, the, they're so fat. But I, because everybody mentions Kachuk. Well, I mean, Gaudreau. Well, what if, what if Kachuk's like, hey, if Gaudreau's out, then you know what? I'm looking for somewhere else too, maybe. So it, that, that's the, uh, you know, there's the, the, the Canadian markets, Vancouver, Calgary, they all like Ottawa. Is Ottawa going to take a step this year? Or are they going to remain patient? Um, and there is the, uh, the Jets selling off. But I'm actually, I'll, I'll pick, I will say the, the Pittsburgh Penguins because, you know what? Nobody's won more than the Pens for a long time. Does, uh, does Latang stick around? Or does a, cause I think if, I think him leaving would be a, a bigger hit than people think. And if, and if he or Malkin leaves Frank, I think that opens the door for Goudreau to uh, land in Pittsburgh. Whoa. Interesting. Spicy take from Jason. All right, let's get into the points by Canada bonus question. Shout out to our friends at points by Canada, where this isn't related to the question, but I just noticed it as I was pulling up some other odds. A week ago, Shane Wright to go first overall was minus 1200, meaning you would have had to wager $1,200 just to profit $100 off that bet. His odds have now dropped all the way to minus 250 with Juraj Slavkowski moving up to plus 200. He was plus 1200 a week ago. So I, I just kind of found that a little bit interesting here. Obviously, the three of us will be at the draft. We'll be doing lots of draft talk. But what I'm getting into is uh, the Stanley Cup winner for 2023. The odds are up at points bet. The Avs lead the way. Runaway favorites at plus 450, followed by the Lightning, Leafs, Panthers, Hurricanes, and then Golden Knights, Rangers, Wild, and Blues round out the top 10. My the question, Wild? Yeah, the Wild are up there, which I, I find interesting. Um, Why'd you say it like that? Their team was good. I, their team was good. But yeah, they have so, all that dead dude, money. They, they got like 12 million in dead cap space. Does it, the only person they're going to lose is Fiala. Well, that's a pretty big loss. 85 point player. I just, I, I don't think, you, I don't think you could, it's hard. It's hard enough to win when you're on even playing ground to, 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 to think that they're going to compete by having $12 million less than the other teams. I just, that's I, the only difference in their team next year is that Kevin Fiala is not going to be back and they're going to have to replace him cheaper. Yeah. You're telling me one guy is, is going to be the difference between a team competing and not. Is Flurry coming back? Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. possible. They, they can afford them. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, and they're we'll going to try. But, they just haven't yeah. talked about them yet. What, what is I wouldn't one have them player as a top for 10 you? Favorites. Okay. My question to you guys, and no one will hold you to this, so feel free to uh, do whatever with your prediction. Who is your 2023 Stanley Cup final matchup? Give me a team from the East, team from the West that you can see being there next year, Frank. Rangers and... Abs, why not? All right, Jay. Yeah, it's hard to go against the Abs in the West. Um, I'll go with the Panthers. Mm, a nice little uh, bounce back from the Panthers and get past round two. Uh, yeah, you mentioned it's hard to go against the Abs in the West. They're plus four fifty. Like I said, the next Western Conference team is the Golden Knights, all the way down at plus twelve hundred as uh, second in the Western Conference. That's going to do it for another edition of Fill in the Blank, delivered by our friends at DoorDash. 
One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, we'll see, man. I just, Minnesota, oof, that, uh, I, I didn't, I just, I guess I was more shocked that you dismissed it out of hand. You were like, what? Well, like well that I, just, that seemed, that seemed gratuitous. Is yeah. Well, I was, I've been crunching the numbers, man, for a long time. And like that, you just look at the teams that are competing and winning every year. They're, they're right near the top of, of, uh, of the, of the salary cap space. And, um, I just, that to me is such a hurdle to overcome where basically they're, they're playing with a $70 million cap and everybody else is playing and all the other top teams are playing with an 82. And I just, yeah, but I, I showed the math and, Every team but six is 26 out of 32 cannot spend to the cap. Yeah. Cause yeah, everybody has some dead space. I agree. Right. Like uh, 12 million though, man, that's like, that's different. Like the Rangers just made it to the conference final and they had 3.4. Right. And so sure. You know, you can do it with some, I just think when you get into that, uh, that amount of a, of a weakness, especially in their own division, Right. Like you're going to beat Colorado with a, with a $70 million payroll. Like, I don't know. I guess it's possible. This is a random and weird sport. I'll tell you that it almost never plays out like it did this year with the Colorado avalanche running the table from start to finish. We have very few upsets this year. Like, was there yeah. one series that you can think of that you were like, wow, that was ma-. like the chalk won almost every time. That, that never happens. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yep. I, uh, uh, sorry, Minnesota fans, but I can't, uh, and I like, I like Bill Guerin's aggressiveness. I like everything about it, but, um, I, I just think that's too much of a hill to overcome, uh, for them this season. Uh, but you know, it's funny out of those top 10 teams, lots of them have question marks on what they're going to do. Now they have the advantage because they're still going to keep the the majority of their core intact. No question about it. But um, like you, like if, if Colorado doesn't bring Darcy Kemper back and I think Colorado's shown that they're a team that's good enough. They don't need a dominant goaltender, although it might help, but like this year's free agent class of goalies, Frank, like Mark Andre Fleury still might be at the top of the list. Yeah. I mean, why wouldn't he be? You got Kemper. I think one interesting goalie trade piece that we haven't really talked much about in a while is, do you think Alexander Georgiev is ready to start? Well, I, th- I think he's going to want to, and like he's already been on record and they basically said they're going to trade him. So, and, and you, I went back, Frank, I looked at, at those type of trades where you're trading a guy who's yet to establish himself as a starter. The, the, they're not going to have to give up a lot. Like the Rangers aren't getting a huge ticket for him, right? You're talking like maybe a second and a fourth or a second and third, something like that. Like it's not, it's not, they asked for a first round pick. They're not getting it. No, they're not going to get that at all. So, um, you know, and like the last backup out of New York that got traded was Cam Talbot to Edmonton and Cam Talbot had some really good years in Edmonton. So I think it was Cam Talbot or anti Ranta. 
Um, well, Cam Talbot and because uh, Ranta went to uh, Eric, Ranta was part of that Derek Stepan, right? It wasn't just the goalie; he was part of a bigger deal. So, but you're right. But which one was more recent? I think it was Ranta, right? Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, but I guess to, to go then, to be a it was starter. there was a slew of of backups that sort of went through there. It was like, okay, this is King Henrik's net. We're gonna move on from you. Yeah, and uh, and I'm, and now it's the same thing. It's now it's Shesterkin's net, and we're gonna be moving on from Georgiev. Oh, as, as they have to, there's, there's no question, but like, I look at a guy like Jack Campbell, right? Like where, where does he end up and you know, what kind of price point does he get? And you know, what's your expectations uh, for him? So. I, uh, I mentioned the New Jersey devils. It, I think it also ended up in Larry Brooks's column. I saw in the New York post after the fact, but last week on the pod, I mentioned, it sounds like the devils are one of those teams that's hot and horny for Jack Campbell. Well, then that means uh, they're going to be trading Wedgwood, right? I would think. Or they keep You both. mean uh, Mackenzie Blackwood? Mackenzie Blackwood, sorry. Yeah, well, Wedgwood, it's interesting you mentioned his name because I think he's an under-the-radar guy that could be a, a really solid piece. A hundred percent. Kevin Woodley and I talked about him all year long and you, and he felt when he went into Dallas, like he was great and he was, and then obviously Jake Ottinger just, you know, was out, out of this world in the postseason. But uh, I Mike think McKenna has mentioned him too, Scott Wedgwood. And, and you know, what's interesting about him, Frank, he, when you want to look at value as far as dollar to, to save, I think he's going to be up there. Um, he doesn't have the resume, of others, but goaltending then the list is so long of guys at 28, 29, 30, who finally find their game. I won't be surprised at all. If it's Scott wedge, I think he, I've said it's going to be cheap. Yes. He like, he'd be my value contract. He'd be my value contract. And then if you're the Colorado avalanche, Frank, right? Like there's a team that could easily, you know, go in with a duo. I don't know if they get a, a full fledged starter because they look and say, Hey, we can spend money elsewhere. We got a good enough team in front of us. So we just get solid goaltending as you outlined what lowest say percentage in 45 years to win the cup. So as a starter, I, I think you set yourself up for danger if you're hoping to do that again. Yeah. But I, I think they're hoping they like, what if, the, what if the guy's nine ten? you know what I mean? Well, nine ten is probably winning you a cup. Yeah, exactly. I imagine all the way through. Yeah, so it. Uh, but Wedgwood is my uh, he's my surprise dark horse for a team to take a shot. Is there risk there? Sure, because he doesn't have. But the thing with goaltenders, Frank, outside of maybe seven or eight, from year to year, you never really know what's going to happen. No, and I think that's uh, it's what makes the position so exciting and also so nauseating I guess if you're a manager is like you're like hey I'm gonna invest in this guy to be our guy and then he doesn't have it it's just year year to year there's it's so hard to replicate success and there's such a team factor that's dependent on how you play you know the team impacts how you play and vice versa it's it's it, it really is amazing how it's a crapshoot that they haven't you know, with all the analytics and everything else out there that it hasn't been sort of figured out. Yeah. So I think it's a lot between the years from year to year. No question. One uh, final parting shot, Frank, uh, for fun before we go, because we talked about him. Uh, where do you think Fiala ends up? I wondered about New Jersey. Um, you know, you've got Nico Heischer, you take Fiala, fellow Swiss native, and you put him on the wing. It seems like a fit for me. Um, he does compete. The one thing I keep going back to with the Devils is, is Tom Fitzgerald's words, you know, to start the offseason. We want hard skill, quote, hard skill. Kevin Fiala doesn't strike me as hard skill, but he's definitely skill. Yeah. Hey, speaking of the Devils, what are they going to pay Jasper Bratt? Like, they're like, Speaking look at the, of the devils. I like what you did there. Mm-hmm. But uh, look at the uh, look at Jesper Bratt, man. He's an interesting one to watch for what the contract he's going to get. Led their team in scoring. You know, you look at what he like. He could he could arguably say, hey, I should be paying as much as he sure. Or as much as Hughes. I, I mean, yeah. I, I. I don't understand that one. He's on my trade targets board and Devils fans seem to freak out. And I understand why, but you tell me why it's almost July and they have not engaged in any meaningful conversation about a contract. Yeah. Why? I, I, I can't, I, I cannot wrap my brain around why 
especially heading into free agency, you wouldn't want this already done. You'd want to know what you can spend and what you can't. That's just me. I, I don't something. And, and I, I do believe there were two teams. I think that they were engaged in conversation with at the two to three days before they, the trade deadline happened about the Esper Verat. And I, I'm, I just, it doesn't, it does not compute. It's not, it doesn't add up to me, but we'll see. Frank, until he's uh, signed, until he's extended, he's going to remain on the trade targets board. Yeah, no, it's totally fair. Makes sense. Uh, Frank, have a good week. Uh, enjoy being home for a week. Oof, going to feel good. 36 out of the last 39 on the road. Can't wait to, uh, to get back and sleep in my own bed. Yeah, it'll be nice. All right, we'll talk to you on Friday. Thanks for listening to the DFO Rundown with Cervalli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash. All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special coming your way this playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. And let me tell you, it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal. Every playoff game day, you're going to be faced with four questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle. And here's a sneak peek into some of those questions we'll be firing your way. First up, you got to pick the winning team. That sounds simple, right? But there's more. You got to decide if the total amount of goals in the game will be over or under a certain amount. And that's where the real strategy starts to kick in. Next up, you're picking who's going to find the back of the net first. And you're going to want to be careful because that's one that could be cooked early on in the game. And finally, you got to predict which period is going to be the highest scoring. Will it be a barn burner in the first, a shootout in the second, or a nail biter in the third? That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear, and you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.